Thought Bubble Audio. Welcome back, friends and lovers of all things loud women. It is um, uh, your, your your possible friend in your head or enemy in your head, Tookie Kavanaugh, here with my actual friend, <laughs> Marissa. And we are about to discuss Shrill, Season 3, Episode 6. Sorry. I am, I am so excited about this one. This is like, a fu- we get a happy episode. I'm like, just, I, I have had the like little happy feelies since watching this last week and I've just been so excited to talk about it because it just brings me joy to see our friends happy I you know I if if I could have received an apology cake for every time someone you know shout out to the writers for um apology cake hey I I I a certified black appreciate that See, I was curious. I wanted to know your take on the cake. And, like, we'll get into it as we get into the episode. But, you know, for me, I was like, the fact that it was a shared apology cake took away from it. A little bit. I was like, Amadi deserves a fresh apology cake. But I, I did feel like that was, you know, some kind of a gesture. So I'm, I was curious your, your hot take on this. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Fresh cakes for each of your friends. Like yes, for everyone you've yeah. wronged, it's a, a yes. very important. That, that's that's the ritual. That's the tradition. Okay, well, so let's. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. About <laughs> Annie does does a pretty advanced apology tour here to varying degrees of success. So we pick up uh, with Annie at work. She's still dealing with the fallout from her rancher's article. She's getting physical hate mail, which honestly, like, I was a little impressed by that. I didn't think that anybody still went to a post office anymore to mail poop, but I guess. They're doing that still. Yeah, so you know, the people of Portland said they got time today. <laughs> I'm good for that. I mean, they they knew what they wanted to stand up for, and they're like, "I'm going to collect some animal poop, and I'm going to put it in a box. I'm going to take it to the post office." And I respect that gumption. Is that upcycling? Does that count? <laughs> I mean, if she composted it eventually, then yeah, probably. I think that there's some some sort of consciousness there cool uh so we're we're catching up with annie she's still doing real badly uh she's feeling like shit no pun in, that's not even <laughs> oh i hate myself uh and and we find out joe caught annie and ryan leaving the office together just to add insult to injury somebody else knows about that so um we we pop into gabe's office he is signing his new books he seems happy He's getting good reviews. Like he's living his best life. I actually, I was like, okay, this feels like the Gabe that we have sort of, that he thinks he is still like, I'm seeing this different side of him that we haven't seen for this whole series where I'm like, oh, okay, this is who this guy is when he's not just like a bitter, sad sack old man. Like this is okay. This is Gabe. But also is this, is this the Gen X like pop cultural touchstone? Like, is he, is he the face of Gen X that they keep in the attic? You know what I mean? Like, is that, is, is he the one we don't talk about if you're a Gen X? Like, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, you know, he, we, so we spend some time, we'll spend some time with Gabe today um, because he asks Annie to write a profile about him called A Day with My Mentor, which 
Okay. Of, it's of still course. the same Gabe. Still the same piece of shit. Still like he's more charming right now because he's vibing, but still a piece of shit. Of course. So, uh, before before we sort of get into get down the Gabe road, quickly we see Amadi and Annie sort of patch things up, I guess. I guess. Um it started out with Amadi sort of apologizing for not having her back, which I immediately was like, that you didn't have to apologize. That seemed strange. Um, and, and she didn't really, and Annie kind of apologized, but it was one of those like passive apologies. Like, I, I'm sorry for this whole thing. And I'm like, well, apologize for what you did, right? Like, don't just apologize for the situation. Apologize like for your actions. So this was apology number one that I didn't like this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's also the fact that like, Amadi touched on the whole systemic failure of that office and their culture for the, the fact that he's the only black editor, not that he's the only person of color. Cause I mean, there's calendar Cody, he's fine, but you know, I, the only specifically black person in that audience with some sort of visibility, um, outside of the office and a voice and, um, you know, say input into what, goes into this magazine it's like that's also an issue you know and it puts him and it of course it's gonna put you know put him in um a very very difficult position so uh, i'm glad he at least brought that up because that's not something that you know i think we should look over i think that's something that would have maybe been more easily looked over had certain events of 2020 not happened i'm not necessarily sure when um this episode was written but at least it was acknowledged like we talked on about last week it definitely felt like it was an intentional nod to that experience which is just it's i think a lot of people are in that position where you sort of they're sort of forced in this position of being the one like the one black person with the seat at that table and then feeling like you have to sort of speak on behalf of everybody. It's just not. And then when your friend puts you in that position where they're asking you to stick their neck out, um, it's just, it's a, it's a difficult position. And I think that's probably really relatable for a lot of people right now. Yeah. I mean, even, um, you know, it's not quite the same along gender lines until you like in terms of race anyway, but even still, like I've had moments, you know, uh, where I've been at least the only woman on a on a show for stand up, maybe not the only person of color, but definitely the only woman or female identifying person um, on a show. And even then, it's like, you know, you still it, it's it's uh, it makes the dynamic weird. And you know, it, you have to acknowledge these sort of things, and you have to acknowledge like who at the top is sort of failing you and creating this sort of structure where there's only room for one kind of token identity in a space where voices and visibility matters. So I I know it's like, oh, you're talking about comedy. This is a magazine. It's different. But, you know, in these kinds of spaces where you utilize your voice. No, it's the same. You know, I'm thinking about it from my own lens, which is, you know, I work in tech, right? And it's very, there's a lot of those problems are very similar where it's, you know, predominantly, like extremely predominantly white extremely predominantly male um and so yeah and so you know i think at the over the last year a lot of my peers who work at companies throughout those types of industries 
who are black are being put into this position of like being the arbiter of what can we talk, what should we say? Oh, can you look at this for us? Can you tell us what you think about this effort? And it's just a shitty position to people put people in. And, and, and the real question should be like, why is there only one person that you keep going to for these things? Why is there only one person of color that you always put on the brochure? Whatever the case may be. It's just like, mm, mm, exactly. exactly. And again, I don't speak on behalf of all black people, but like, I like apology cakes, but that might not fly at certain NAACP meetings. Okay. But I like well, it. You know, you know your friends, right? Annie maybe knew. Okay, Fran would like a cake, so yeah. I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my friend Fran a cake. Uh, so you know, we'll, which we'll we'll get back to the cakes. The cakes will be a <laughs> recurring beautiful layer throughout this episode. Uh, so you know, we we catch back up with Gabe and Annie walking around town together. He's telling her stories about the golden days. Um, I, I really this is the most I've liked Gabe so far, and I kind of wish that we've seen more of the side of him because. John Cameron Mitchell's such a delight, right? Like he's such a delightful performer and people love him. Like fans of the show love him. Our fans love him. I don't have a ton of like context. It's not, he's just not somebody that I've seen. uh, That's not my brand of nerd. We all have our own different brands, Uh, but he's so much fun to watch. And I think he's been such a like kind of one dimensional, like villain almost. And, And I understand why they did that in the earlier seasons, but it's nice to see like this side of him and it's like, okay, I'm, it's it's fun to watch to see this person that we hate so much also have like an interesting side to him. I yeah, I did not hate Gabe this episode. And usually like I kind of grade my hate for Gabe on a curve cuz Gabe is never not going <laughs> to Gabe. <laughs> right, like it's like baseline piece of shit. But... Yeah, yeah. But but I I enjoyed him. I like he was still very much his Gabe self, and it was very much me 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 right. And he is, you know, he is that sweater you keep in the attic and you don't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and we get a good sense of that here. Like we pretty quickly see, oh, okay, that's that's what your deal is. Um, we do. We've got Fred Armisen here playing Bongo um, because we're in Portland, and so I think that's in Fred Armisen's contract somewhere. Is that anytime anything is in Portland, he has to be a part of it? I oh question though. I tried to I tried to poke around and look at the set that they used uh, for the shop. Were there any birds on things in there? <laughs> I didn't catch any, but that would have been what what a lovely Easter egg that would have been. That would have been great. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm personally. I'm not a big. Um, not a big Fred Armisen guy. Think uh, he's got a lot of problematic shit. So I'm not a. Oh. Not a huge fan. But he oh. wasn't. Wasn't in the way in this episode. Oh, I. Oh, I didn't hear. I didn't hear the tea. We'll chat. Ta- we'll chat off yeah, camera. Yeah, just. It's you know he's not fully canceled. He's just not the best guy. And I don't. And I don't understand. He gets pulled into a lot of stuff. Anyway, I'm. I'm gonna leave it at that. Just Google it and draw your own conclusions. Mm. That's all. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say about that. I mean, in the words of Marie Kondo, I love mess. So I might just Google. <laughs> um, so Annie, uh, she actually had, the, there was a cute moment in the scene where she revealed that she was actually a really big fan of like the early work of the Thorn and, you know, what they did and what they kind of stood for back in the day and how it made her feel seen and cool. And it just added, I don't know, it just added an interesting layer of context onto the relationship we've seen between these two people over the last couple of years. 
And then my last thought on the scene, let me know if you have anything else, mm -hmm. is that I just wish we had seen more performances from Mr. John Cameron Mitchell over the years. Because anytime he gets to sing, we've seen a couple now. I think this is the second time we've seen him sing. And it's just so fun. And I'm like, oh, I, I completely, like, I need to go watch a bunch of his old shit because I get it now. Like, he is a, just on fire. He's really fun to watch. I um I love I I am absolutely here for anyone who makes a diss record about Tipper Gore. Like, thank you. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> it had to be said. Well, any other thoughts on this um this this lovely little Gabe storyline we got at the top of this episode? Uh not not so much. It's just it was a nice vignette. It was a really nice vignette. Like, even though it was all about Gabe, and of course he would, you know, transfer a a, a a, a writer who just ha is fresh off cancellation to writing all about him. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. I, 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 I smiled. I actually, you know, where, where anytime Gabe comes on the screen, I, you know, under my breath, I'm like this bitch. Like I was actually happy to see him in this scene. Good, good job. I completely agree i kind of wonder if this is them now starting to wind down the show right like we have two more episodes after this one i kind of wonder if this is the last like significant bit of gabe we're gonna see and they wanted to end it on a more like human note and give us a little like goodbye uh-oh what <laughs> no just the idea of the show winding it stings it stings give us the I give know. us the fran and m spinoff you cowards i'm ready for it we'll launch a campaign so um, we see now Annie brings Fran the apology cake. And Fran justifiably says she doesn't want apologies. She just wants Annie to focus on doing better. Uh, in the scene, a couple quick notes. Annie admits she fucked Ryan. Fran <sighs> is distressed visibly. that She made the same noise you did. The just like absolute just groan of, dis of just horror. Just no, no. Uh, Annie points out that uh, Ryan has a girlfriend and her boobs are small and they're the good kind of small. They're just up and she doesn't even have to worry about them. And I'm like, oh, man, that is the that 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 shit that hurts. Mm. I, that hurts my feelings. That feels like a pro good for you. If that if your tits do that, I'm jealous. It hurts my feelings. No, I mean. I, I get, I'm a B cup, lifelong B cup. And, uh, I resent anyone who doesn't understand boob sweat. Okay. Yeah. It's start. Yeah. It's, it's a big problem. I've got products. I recommend if any mega babe best is they got boob sweat products. They've got thigh chafe products. Ooh. We're not sponsored, but we should be anyway. The, the, the boob it's a, it's a problem and they, yeah. they don't mind have never mind. Haven't stayed where they're supposed to since I was a, a child um, so I, I would also be insecure about that piece of information. Um, and then lastly, Fran tells Annie that she's meeting, uh, M's parents this weekend. So, uh, did you have any, any reaction to what, what did you think about this, this apology from Annie, Fran's reaction to it, how they're moving forward, anything that jumped out to you? I, you know, again, I, I want to reiterate that I just really appreciate the fact that this show subverts a lot of people's expectations of Fran and what her role in Annie's life is supposed to be as like, oh, here they've cast another black woman to be in service as a friend and like, you know, the, the emotional pincushion punching bag, etc. It's not like that. And, you know, Annie, Annie is in the wrong. Fran lets her know whenever she's in the wrong. 
their relationship is such that they can exchange cake. I've, you know what? That's a good friendship too, because I've like definitely threatened my friends with cake, but not like apology <laughs> cake, but like, like, oh, you did this nice thing for me. Let me mail you a cake. Like it's never, and it's never an idle threat. Um, I've done, I've done that. I've done that. So like I, you know, I, I, that the whole getting a cake resonated, resonated. Also the, the sigh that Fran lets out upon receiving information about, listen, that is, that is a deep ancestral sigh. You understand? Like that is, (laughs) that is all your ancestors at the mother continent sighing with you. I felt that. I felt that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, aside from that roadblock, I, I think the way that I interpret it is such that it did, the article did, but didn't affect their friendship. It was a huge fuck up on Annie's part. Right. But it's not something that I think Fran would find completely unforgivable, get the F out of my house level bad. Um, because I think Fran knows Annie well enough to know that in this moment, she just was not thinking. She was not thinking. And it, and that she wouldn't have done it with malicious intent. She fucked up in giving them a platform, but it's not like, you know, it's not like she's suddenly, um, thick Tommy Lauren. You know, it's not like she's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it... yeah, she didn't, she didn't fully go off the deep end, but I also, the flip of that too, is she took her seat, you know, she, she is, is sort of accepting her back and saying, this is okay. But at the same time, she is not going out of her way to make Annie feel like everything is okay. Right. And she, I think that is, I think her, Fran setting that boundary and saying, you know, I, I, you don't need to apologize anymore. I just want you to do better was very clear that like, I, I accept your apology on some level, but also like, that's not enough. It's not just good now. Right. You have some work to do. And I felt like that was really authentic to herself, like as a, as a woman. And she was saying, this is a boundary that I am setting. Um, but it was also loving and sort of sympathetic to her friend who was clearly going through something. And I just thought that took a lot of Mm-hmm. Lots of maturity and um, was more generous again than it than she probably needed to be. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Do we do we ever establish Fran's age? By the way, I don't think so. I don't. I guess we only got Annie's age because they mentioned the twenty nine under twenty nine thing. Right. But I can, I'm trying to think of any other touch points where we mentioned age. We've seen we saw her birthday last year, but I I feel like they've intentionally not put Fran in an age bracket. Mm-hmm. Well, that could be wrong. Well, black don't crack, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one, uh, one last scene before we sort of get into the meat of the episode. And the only reason I wanted to mention it was because the Pashmina thing is very real. Oh. So they're going, Fran and Annie are going through Fran, uh, excuse me, Annie's parents' house to like go through. Again, the, the parent storyline is very confusing to me this, this season. I'm assuming it's COVID related, but I don't quite understand it. Um, they're going through the garage and Fran finds Annie's box of pashminas. And I just felt like, you know, we're two, two women who host this podcast, um, that uh, are a lot of our, our folks are in the plus size community. A lot of our listeners. Uh, I think this was a very relatable experience for any millennial who, uh, was like a teenager between 2004 and like 2015, the pashminas, 
were a staple. I had one to match my prom dress. Thank you very much. Oh. <laughs> I sure did. I sure did. Uh, yeah. I uh, And I was very much big on the little cropped cardigan, the little bolero jacket. Mm-hmm. Like were... Fran. Yeah, yeah. You guys had the same look. Yeah. Now, did you wear, you wore the pashmina over the shoulders? Was was it an arm thing? Was that, that your move? Yes. I've always had, um, uh, um, uh, what's what's the what's the medical term for them the bat wing if you will and <laughs> <laughs> so you know in order to conceal that pashminas were the wave um or you know any sort of garment that at least covered my arm i just got i just listen i'm i'm about to turn 33 it's about to be my jesus year i'm just wearing tank tops f it you know yes. f it Yes. No, extremely <laughs> yes. This summer we are not covering our arms. So for me, it was the pashmina was not for my arms because I always had cardigan. I had like thousands of cardigans for every outfit to cover the arms. The pashminas were to go back to my boobs for a minute was <gasps> oh. always to cover the boobs. So I wore them around my neck to cover cleavage because I always felt like every shirt I wore because uh, my, my double D ladies will know what I'm talking about. There is like no shirt you can get away with wearing without there being a lot especially the stuff that was in fashion then it was like the little tank tops so I would have my like little tank top with a huge pashmina and a cardigan over it layers on layers no one look at my body and I literally had them in maybe a hundred different colors I went to college in New Jersey we went into Manhattan all the time I'd go to the streetcar vendor they were they were like three for ten dollars I would buy like six in one visit and that was my fashion. Oh my gosh. I never want to return to the era of um, pompadour hair, spaghetti scraps, ruffle skirts. I just, why did we do that? Jeans under dresses. Who, who, who let that happen? Who let that happen? Okay. All the rotisserie white people on Jersey shore. Why? Why was that a thing? And it's all coming back around. It's like now we're old enough to start seeing these things come back. And it's, I wish I kept my bucket hats. I wish I could. I wish I had some, some old bucket hats kicking around. Anyway, I felt like that was worth mentioning. Pashminas <laughs> feel like a big part of a lot of our supervillain origin stories. So uh, they, I, I liked to see the nod to that mm. here. So um, we're now, we sort of split off. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I just Let's realized go. too. We almost, we almost skipped over the American Girl doll. Cause was that was that Samantha with the pigtails and the little hat? I think it was a Samantha. It was Samantha. I okay. had a Samantha too. Oh, oh. I have. But I was more of a Molly. Oh, Molly was cute. Molly was real cute. I have some trauma with American Girl dolls. I feel like maybe we've talked about this before in the. Po- I don't know. Do a quick. What's the, yeah. What's the refresher on the trauma? Yeah. Because quickly were, recap your trauma. Because there was some rich girl in my my class in like first grade, and her parents, you know, it was her parents offered to buy all the girls in the friend group an American girl that matched them, uh, and oh they of I know, I know, right? Rich friend. I, rich friend, which we'll get to, uh, but <laughs> but of course the parents offered me Addie. And I'm like, first of all, different shade of brown from the Caribbean. My, you know, I'm owed reparations, goddammit. But the American chattel slave story is not quite my story. Because my mom's half of the family had ancestors that were dropped off at a pit stop in the Caribbean. You feel me? Different, different thing. Different food, different culture. 
Oh, but you just you look just like Addie. I I don't. I don't. Oh my god. So so cringe. So oh. little little bit of cringe. A little bit of cringe. Um, but the outfits was cute though. Oh god. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> well. No, I didn't mean to make you sad. I, I just have no um artful way to transition away from that. I, I'm just I have nothing to add. I think we need to let that stand on its own. Nothing I can say will be helpful or funny or interesting. So I'm gonna move on. <laughs> just don't tell your if you, for those of you with children or future children, I don't know what's happening. Just don't be like, hey, your little friend looks just like this dog. Because they probably don't. Don't do that. Oh, my God. So, anyway, so I'm going to, uh, we're going to now split off. We're going to follow Fran and Emily first, uh, Fran and M first. And then we are going to uh, head over to Amadi's party just because there's a lot of back and forth. So, for the sake of our conversation, let's start with Fran and M. So, Go oh go ahead. Let me tell you, let me tell you when they pulled up to M's parents' house. Hockey. <laughs> let me tell you, you understand? Okay, I don't, I don't mean to sound like you know. Um, this might uh, I again, you know, nothing I say ever comes from a place of malice or offense. But when if I was in Fran's shoes, you understand? As soon as we pulled up to M's parents' house, the a week later, I'd be like. I'm sorry, M's parents' house. A week later, I I I call up M. Like, listen, I am pregnant. I am, I will find a way to lock it down. I don't care if it's not physically possible. I will lock that down. I will lock it down. You understand? I have a price. Okay, everybody has a price. I have a price, and it's forty million. And they look like they got that. I am locking it down. Yeah, no, same. Not exactly what I was going to say, but same energy. Uh, what I was going to say was when they pulled up to that that house and M got out of that car in that outfit, I was like, 10 out of 10. Like, what a friggin' look. Like, what a friggin' look. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm in love. Like, that was um, beautiful. Stunning. Uh, M was just, serving. M was like, absolutely serving. I just, I gasped. I was just, oh my goodness. So, but yes, same vibe, lock it down. Like, let's just, let's get married right now. So yes, so it's a literal mansion. Fran had no idea. So this is interesting. So I I had made a note that I would actually have been, if I was in Fran's situation, I would have actually been kind of annoyed that I was blindsided by this. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, I need to get myself like emotionally ready to be dealing with whatever the fuck this is. So I would have been kind of annoyed, but of course, Fran and Em are perfect. So they just kind of moved past that and it was fine. So good for them. You would have reacted similarly as as Fran and I don't blame you because there's also something deeply exciting about that. (laughs) like trust fund (laughs) annual annuity what Uh, whatever (laughs) just just monthly monthly spousal support yes okay please yes i i i would just show up with a baby you understand like i just (laughs) this is this is this is yours now okay this is what we're working with i'm locking it down secure the bag so I like all the reasons that M was giving like, oh, they just live in the suburbs and that's why it's, I'm like, come on, that's okay. I, I've known people like this where they're like, oh, my parents aren't rich. They just like saved a lot. I'm like, get out of here. Don't give me, no, stop. Upper middle class, stop. 
So we're sitting down with them at the table. We we uh, M's parents are sitting at the table with Fran and M, and it's it's very clear they're very rich. These are different type <laughs> of people. This is a different breed of folks. Um, they're saying a lot of things that are really kind of insensitive, showing their hands. And M is like outwardly mortified by everything that they're saying. It's very, it's sort of uncomfortable right out the gate. You're like, oh, this is, these are not people, this is not a family that's getting along super well. Um, but Fran is just along for the ride. Fran is being the perfect partner, holding their hand under the table, just being supportive um, and lovely. So, and, and vibing with M's parents, like they were weirdly getting along super well. I love that they showed that moment of holding the hand under the table. I thought that was, I, 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 I felt a little, I felt a little feelings. I did too. I got a little tingle. I was like, that's so sweet. So we find out that M has a horse. Um, of course. A whole horse. Uh, uh, like, obviously. Um, and apparently they were an equestrian prodigy and they were very, they had this whole past life uh, where they were an, a successful horse person. I, you know, I would never have initially pegged M as horse person because I've met I've met <laughs> I have met okay I, I I'm sure you've met we've met some horse people okay yes. especially horse girls yeah no disrespect to the horse girls out there but we've met some horse people and M just doesn't have like horse person energy yeah no they really don't they have much more grounded in reality person energy <laughs> Um, but it, so that was a little bit of a surprise, like, okay, all right, we're, sh- we're all of our sort of understanding is shifting here. This is very interesting. Um, another interesting moment from the dinner was their dad misgendering them at the mm. table. Um, I, I don't know. I'm curious what you thought of that. I actually thought that was sort of in a really hostile overall dinner conversation. That moment actually had this level of like sincerity to it with how quickly M's mom corrected him and how he like lovingly accepted that correction for a rich white man did a pretty good job just saying okay yep i'm i'm sorry about that and directly apologized and m accepted it yeah i there was something that was kind of modeling about that i thought that was i don't know it wasn't good it wasn't a warm fuzzy but it was i don't know i like that they the writers made that choice i so appreciate and of course of course what a hugh and Kristen moment right that's M's parents. <laughs> That's a lot of Hugh and Kristen energy. Oh, totally. <laughs> but I, I so appreciated that moment, you know? Um, I, I, and it's like, we're, we're, li- we're watching this episode hot off the tails of, um, well, we have, we have listeners across the nation and thank you. And we love you. And for those of you who are local, uh, there was a radio DJ in the Boston area who just lost his mind because he couldn't wrap the, uh, his head around the concept of the fact that Demi Lovato now uses they, them pronouns. Uh, he just lost it. Could not yeah. handle it. <laughs> Which it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we understand that, you know, they is a plural, but there is a singular them. Get used to mm-hmm. it. It's not. And like we said last week, the concept of um, gender nonconformity and not and non-binary identity that's nothing new it's nothing Mm -hmm. new we just don't have a word for it in american english like some other cultures do so they Mm -hmm. them and that's the word i think that there's actually you know now that we're talking about this i'm thinking that this season we have seen a lot of this where somebody makes a misstep 
and it's maybe like a well-intentioned misstep um but it's a misstep and it it's, it causes harm right and that at the end of the day is like do, do you do your actions cause harm and we we watch these people get corrected and then kind of try to recover from it and i don't know how often we see that on tv where it's not this clean like well i was racist and now i'm not anymore or like oh i used to hate you know trans people and now i don't it's like or non-buyer whatever you know we i think we used to see we're not used to seeing that nuance of hey a lot of things are kind of evolving and people are trying to change and be better Mm -hmm. and there's room to stumble as long as you are trying to get better i don't know i think it's helpful for society to like see those things modeled on tv and I think it's like, I, I hope this isn't another one of those, oh my God, it's 2021. Why are we having the first anything? Um, mm-hmm. But is I, to, at least to my knowledge and my um, realm of TV watching and such, this is the first time I've seen full acknowledgement of a non-binary person on mm-hmm. a show. And I'm like, this is great, but also where, you know, this should have, this should have been happened, you know? I was having this, con- not, not to fully derail, but I was having this conversation with someone the other day about Demi Lovato, and I was like, oh, is there anybody that's higher profile than Demi Lovato that's ever publicly started using they, them pronouns? Like, I think this might be the highest profile person to kind of do that recently. Sam Smith did a couple oh, years shoot, ago. you're right. You're totally right. You're totally right. Um, I, knew, I was like, I knew I had to be missing some, but but I think this is a big... That was a big thing for visibility, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're, we're making moves. Things are, but yeah, so I think that was a really good, it was a well-written moment. You yes. know, it was uncomfortable, but it was ultimately like showed growth. Yes. Um, she and said it, clumsily. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at least speaking for myself as like the poster child of cis straight, but kind of not sexual. <laughs> person <laughs> uh we won't talk about lesbian porn and my non <laughs> not today not today not today not today um but you know for me watching it it was very much like yay they're seen they are seen but also about goddamn time about mm-hmm. time yeah no it's true um so you know after we this is the sort of Fran recovers and, and makes a joke and everyone laughs and has a lovely time. Fran and Em take a walk out to the barn to see Henry. Um, and we see Em open up a little bit about the sort of, quote, high society lifestyle and how it made them understandably uncomfortable. And that's sort of why they never talked about it. They never brought it up. Um, and I think this was just a nice insight into their their background. And it gave a little more context into, you know, why they wouldn't want that to be a part of their current relationship, you know? I don't want to read into it too, too much just because it's like, it's not my story to analyze. It's M's story to tell, but I can understand where that kind of environment could be so um, uncomfortable because you are so immediately othered mm-hmm. in, in in that kind of context. It's like, you know, you're, you're not allowed to fully be, you're, you're, you're being forced into cotillions and well, no, cotillions, isn't, but debutante balls. Um, you know, that, that, of course, that's going to be something that you'd rather disassociate if it's causing you to suppress who you actually are as a human being. So Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a rich apologist. 
okay. I mean, we got we got to eat the rich, though I do have a price of forty million if anybody got that. <laughs> but but I eat get... the rich unless they want to marry you. In which case, call me. Call me. Um <laughs> but but I get why um perhaps M's character uh would have preferred to not associate with that kind of crowd that could mm-hmm. make them feel out, just even more out of place already on top of how they might feel in the world at large. I think this was another perfect example of what the Shrill writers do perfectly, which is mm. taking an issue with a lot of subtext and boiling it down to like three lines. Like this was like a 30 second little moment where they were, the two of them were talking out by the the horse and, and immediately I think we all were like, oh, yep, we totally, we get all that nuance in that short little scene. So I, I did love that. Um, any final thoughts on, on Fran and M before we shift over to uh, Amadi's party? Give me M in all the suits. M is serving. Oh my God. Yes. I th- honestly, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Please. <laughs> um, okay. So Annie then brings her partially eaten apology cake to Amadi's. Just buy him his own fucking cake. It's his birthday. You are the worst friend. You are the worst friend to Amadi. You, oh, I love Annie, but she's really, she sucks sometimes. Uh, Another deep ancestral sigh. I'm sorry. It just. I have to let it, any, any immediate um, feedback on the cake before I get into the plot. I want to make sure I allow you enough oh. time to address the cake properly. I, okay. I mean, I get that the cake decorator was trying to keep it. PC, but give us the B instead of the W. <laughs> okay. Hard to agree. Uh, and also, you don't, you, oh, okay. On, on black Twitter, it's called a hobo apology tour because there have been some people who've done set, such uh, gestures, but without cake. Uh, uh, oh, oh yeah. Robin Thicke's hobo apology tour to Paula. Uh, that That's an example, you know. Deep. Oh, that's a deep cut. Deep cut. Deep mm. cut. His album. His album. Paula sold like thirteen copies in all of Australia. So, <laughs> but like, give them the man deserves not only his own cake, but his own, like everything, uh, mm. a, a full sit down, a full apology. Okay, write him a song. Write a diss record about yourself. Like it just. <laughs> you, you, I just, I'm tired of, I'm tired of Annie's dynamic with him. He deserves so much. The man is 39 years old. Stop it. adult man. That is an older man than I thought. I didn't want to, Gabe's comment was mean, but it was true. I was like, I thought Amadi was like 33. But Black don't crack. He looks good. (laughs) He looks real good. So, all right. So moving past the apology cake, we will do our best to move past it. Um, we find out that Will is at this party and Annie is visibly not excited about it. And I'm already like, Annie, you are not winning anybody over at this party right now. Like you need to, you needed to do a little more work on yourself before you started returning to society here. Um, so they, Annie and Will have like this awkward interaction sort of via Amadi's children. Like they don't really like, like they're kind of, Oh, Hey, what's up? Uh, and then when the kids leave, Annie gives this half-assed apology where again, she doesn't demonstrate understanding that what she did was wrong. 
And that is what bothers me about Annie's shitty apologies. See, that's a, see, this is why I asked the question about Annie's age. Because when it was like finally established that she's 28, I'm like, okay, I get it to a degree where you are three years removed from having your frontal cortex fully developed and your decision-making being a little bit more sound. So some of the decisions I'm like, you, this, this, you're not in your right mind, madam. Um, but other times I'm like, how much of, how much I, okay. Aside from, um, not experiencing so-called, well, maybe not so-called, but there, there is aside from living in a society that doesn't afford you skinny privilege, right? Mm -hmm. How many other privileges inform Annie's decisions in how she goes about life? That's a really, really good way to frame it. I mean, Annie has a lot. I mean, she's, she grew up with a family that appeared to be financially well off. She is white. She is a white woman. She is a white cisgender woman. Like, she she does behave as if she has every roadblock thrown up against her. Um, and I don't think that that's super accurate. And I think that makes, that's one of the things that makes her a struggle to watch sometimes. Yeah, it, it's not to, and it's not to negate any of the real struggles she has. I mean, her size and the way people treat her and devalue her in a lot of cases because of it informs a lot of who she is in her life and how she moves about life, but it's not the only thing informing it. Because I think back to in the office with Gabe, where she's talking to her boss and she's like, can I just take a break from these kind of high pressure things? I could never, I have never been afforded the, I can't speak to anybody else's, but I know for a fact, I've never been in a position where I can talk to my boss like, hey, can I, can I like do a little less work? <laughs> you know, hey, uh, have you considered my mental health at any point? <laughs> during my tenure as an employee she has like i could never no she has a lot of the decisions she makes the interactions she have she has have these really strong undertones of privilege and and she doesn't seem to recognize that right like i i have all of those same privileges but i try to recognize it on some level and i and i don't feel like there's necessarily that um that understand and we just kind of see that keep happening time and time again where it's like so she you know she apologizes to will but it's sort of a oh that wasn't my strongest moment and i'm like you were you like were fucking mean to that man like you were mean to that man you didn't just like do something like annoying you were mean to that man and he deserved a real full-throated apology and he did not get one um at least at least at this point so so we'll we'll keep it moving um you know, we see next Annie uh, is getting stuck with this full plate of mac and cheese. Um, and I just wanted to point this out because, you know, Will bails her out like an absolute knight in shining armor. Like what a door when he's like, no, I will take half of that mac and cheese. I was like, I love this man. Like this man, I will marry this man. What an angel. I love him. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a move. And of course you see what Amadi sees in Will in those kinds yes. of moments. It's so true. And, you know, to that, to that point, we then see Will give this amazing toast, um, which I thought was just really fun background on Amadi too, because we just haven't gotten to see that much of who he is. And to get to sort of see him through Will's eyes was really fun. 
And watching that toast, you're like, oh my God, of course Amadi wanted to set these two people up. Like, Will is so funny in a similar way to Annie, that Annie's funny. He's so sweet. And so, yeah, over the course of this evening, it becomes abundantly clear why Amadi thought they would be close. I genuinely am curious, though, as to what Will's ex-wife is like. Mm. I'm curious as to what kind of person he was with before. Yeah. Um, before meeting Annie. Um, just, you know, just because, like, how how, ha- how had that relationship informed his um, behavior with Annie on the date? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of... Well, oh, no, yeah. well, just, like, you know, what kind of person uh, did he marry uh you know what kind of personality does she have mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, for sure i think we're I'm, I'm hoping we get a little bit more of that background of the next few episodes so um you know annie then looks in the window sees will washing dishes um again like he's just a real functional adult human um and she's like oh wow that's attractive and i think we've all kind of have that had that moment during your growing up process where you're like oh yeah i don't want just like a piece of shit person i want somebody who like washes the dishes at a party like that's attractive to me um and clearly that's turning her on i mean there's nothing like a considerate man i gotta say you got that's a beautiful thing Ugh. Ugh. responsible (laughs) gentleman that people want to have at the party like ugh, love it so she's she offers to help with the dishes she's giving him like a very flirty vibe so she already kind of is like yeah i fucked up on this one um and 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 you know here she actually does make a point to sincerely open up and apologize explain to him sort of what was happening with her um but i made a note that she was actually kind of mean in the apology. Like she wasn't considering what she was saying to him. Like the part where she's talking about, well, I didn't want people to see us as a pair of fats. Like you don't know how comfortable he is with that language. Like you and I have different opinions on how we use that language. Like I wouldn't just throw that language on somebody without knowing where they stood or he might not even see himself that way. Like what the fuck? I thought the same thing. I was like, again, maybe she doesn't realize the way she's projecting. Maybe, uh, you know, this might, oh, spicy, controversial statement where mm-hmm. we might get an angry email. We might get an angry email. I'm ready. Okay. But I, to an extent, it might be, you know, to, to have the peace of mind and to have the self-assurance and the confidence to say, I am fat might be a privilege to an extent that some people don't necessarily have because they're just not there with themselves yet. You know, and that word, it just impacts people differently because maybe they just have a different history with how people have used it to them, about them, how they've used it about themselves. So it's like, you know, to, 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 ugh, I I, I don't know. I don't want to call it like fat, pride to make it weird for people but like to be comfortable in a body that society makes has has built an entire industry on making you uncomfortable in mm-hmm. you know it's it's something that not everybody has so it's like maybe she's thinking from her own perspective of like full acceptance well you know even though she said like oh i have these issues and i'm projecting but she's in a place where she can call herself fat 
and it's not as much of a thing for her as it might be for someone else. And so to just kind of throw it out, like, well, I just don't want everybody to see us as a couple of fats. Like, like you were saying, like, you don't know where he is with that word. You don't. And I kind of felt like he reacted. Like, I think there was only the split second where you saw his reaction, but he kind of like looked, looked taken aback a little bit. Um, and, and he rolled with it, which I thought was, you know, very mature, but Mm -hmm. I I think the idea of being like, yeah, I'm comfortable saying that I'm fat is relatively revolutionary and new. I don't think that that's common. Like I still, you know, if I say that everyone says, no, you're not, don't say that. And it's like, well, no, I mean, it's because you're, you're adding your own connotations to it, but that's me, right? That's how Marissa thinks. That's not how ever, like everybody else is deals with this. Like you said, with their own set of experiences, their own set of life experiences. Um, and just to assume that and to project that, like what can be interpreted as a hateful word is, was shitty. And I, I didn't, I didn't love that. Um, and also there's also the fact that like fat is relative to an extent Mm -hmm. because I never, I didn't interpret will as fat myself. Yeah tall larger than average man person but right. i didn't see fat right away so i'm like does it apply? so he does- might not even think about himself that way you know yeah. what i mean like he because he he is you're right like he you know he's he, there's obviously a spectrum right and he's somebody that could very well not see himself as a fat man he could just be like oh i'm kind of a big guy i don't know i'm a tall guy i'm a big guy whatever so yeah to project that on somebody else yeah. Is shitty. Um, all body positivity is not created equal. There are <laughs> ways that you can be shitty and like, so it's, um, it was not great. Didn't love that. Cough, cough, excluding someone from, from fat acceptance movements, even though they may have lost weight due to medical reasons and then negating their entire experiences because of their weight. Cough, cough. I don't think that I don't think that that woman who emailed us is listening to this podcast anymore. (laughs) We 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 all have we all have complicated kind of relationships with that. So, um, but you sort of moving past that that which was definitely a a big reaction we both had, and I and I assume others probably felt the same way. Um, You know, she does sort of talk about her past relationships being devaluing. Um, and then not being able to see something good that's right in front of her because she didn't feel like she deserves it. I feel like that's very, um, she, sometimes there's things that are written that I'm like, oh, this feels like it was written for the audience. Like this was written for the audience to hear somebody say that and to reflect their experience. Because I do think that that's a very common experience, um, for people who view themselves as plus size, fat, overweight, whatever the case may be, um, to sort of have those variety of difficult romantic experiences and to feel like you only deserve to be treated a certain way. That felt very meta. Like they were looking through the camera and talking at us. I, you know what? And this no disrespect to the writing staff. I didn't, it felt like Annie saying that she was in a devaluing relationship. Isn't something Annie would say. I question that a little bit. Cause I'm kind of like, is she even in a place to realize how devaluing that relationship was? Yeah, I think that I I definitely saw a little A.D. Bryant in that moment. Um, and my my read on it was maybe that, you know, the experience with Ryan that she had in the last episode kind of reinforced all of those feelings, helped reframe it and, and gave her the context to make that statement. But I think you're right. It was a it was it was definitely an intentionally written line and it did feel more written than Annie. 
Mm. Um, I just hope Annie took like 17 showers after that encounter. Oh God. So, uh, so Will accepts her apology, um, in a light, funny way. Again, we're like, oh, this is why Amadi thought these two would connect. Um, you know, he puts out a vibe. He's immediately like, hello, I'm open for business. And Annie was like, hello, I'm also open for business. And I was glad that she verbally put that cue out to him because like he deserved to feel wanted by her. Like he deserved to be explicitly told, I am attracted to you. I want to kiss you after what she put him through. Like she needed to hand that to him on a silver platter and not play games. Oh, and the vibe, he put out a vibe, but it wasn't like with an undercurrent of sociopathic, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, a la Nick. Okay, mm. we, 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 um, I'm, I'm side-eyeing every push broom mustache I see from now on after Nick. Ugh, God, I know. I wonder if we're going to see him again before this is over. Didn't look, did, anyway, so the, they're both vibing. It's happening. She says, I want to kiss you. He says, I want to kiss you too. And this is the second moment in this episode that I just screamed. I, <laughs> hot. That was a hot kiss. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I liked to watch it. Um, they just had this like very sincere spark and it was just this chemistry. And I just, you love to see it. It was mm. beautiful. Thrilled. They, you know, I, when she pulled him in a little closer... I felt that. I felt yes. that. I felt it. And so then, my friends, we cut back to Fran and M. Fran's riding around on the horse. M is walking Fran around. And um, I just simply collapsed into a mushy pile of tears because everybody's wonderful and is getting theirs and is having a blast. And, um, like just that that Fran and M scene was just so, like it was so sweet with the horse and like M was welcoming welcoming Fran into her life in this really sincere vulnerable way and it was stunning and the music was beautiful and I just I was like I love this show it's amazing I I just love how they summoned him too when they just walked up to the stable and they're like Henry <laughs> and, and a whole horse pops out <laughs> shout out to Henry Henry was ready for his close up. So, guys, that was episode six. I liked that one. I thought that one was had, packed a lot into 24 minutes, but not in, like, a bad way. We had a couple rough ones. This one was, like, I liked this one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's easing me for the end. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I think I'll, I'll certainly miss Maureen and her in utero shell the most. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> I feel like I'm not, I'm not, we're not talking enough about Maureen on this podcast, but there's not that much I can say beyond just like, I'm obsessed with Maureen. I want to watch everything that I, like, I just want to watch a supercut of Maureen scenes. Like I'm obsessed with this character. I'm obsessed with this actress. Like I just love it. So I don't have anything else more interesting to say than that, which is why I don't bring Maureen up that often. But uh, give us the spinoff. Give us the spinoff. Please, please. So <laughs> folks... Thank you for joining us. Like, this is just a blast. I love I love processing the show with you. Um, with you, Tookie, in person, and all of, all of our listeners who chat with us on email and on Instagram and all the places. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on, uh, you can send us an email at loudwomenpod at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on social media at loudwomenpod.com. 
Uh, you can find me on social media at hi, this is Marissa. And you can find uh, Miss Tookie at Tookie Monster. Oh, gosh. Any, oh, Lord. Uh, any parting words of wisdom, my friend? You know, you know, if someone tells you their pronouns, respect them. Uh, keep them in mind. Remember them. Don't, you know, don't, don't, eh, don't be shitty about it. Uh, what else? You know, don't project your self-acceptance or lack thereof onto anyone else. Don't assume just because you're comfortable using some terminology that somebody else doesn't. Okay. And, um, um, more cake. More people should apologize with cake. Less American Girl dolls, more cake. That's beautiful. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. We'll see you guys next week. New episodes dropping every Friday. We love y'all. See you soon. Bye.